Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast with Jordan Strauss and Sam Laboon. How you doing? We almost had to abandon the podcast episode this week. Tell us about that, Sam. There was a car parked in a lot across from the apartment and its alarm was not stopped going off for literally the entire day. It would go through a cycle, stop, and then 30 seconds later, start again. And now, repeatedly for, did you ever like, go out and check to see if it was being broken into over and over no, again? No, I could see it. I didn't need to. I could see it from our uh, our condo. I could look across and see it. And it would just, no one was touching it or anything. It would just, the alarm would go off. The alarm would go for like five minutes, turn off for 30 seconds, and then just turn right back on again. Lights flashing, everything. You just know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like someone had their key fob in their pocket and they were sitting on the panic button over and over again. It's just insane to me that they could like be triggering it and not be close enough to hear it. Well, they probably ruined more than just your day, so you can take solace <clears throat> in that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say it ruined my day at all. I I just listened to things, I drowned it out. It wasn't super loud, but I think it was loud enough that it might have gotten picked up. Okay. Well, thank God, eh? What would people do without this podcast every week? Um, (laughs) What's new with you? You concluded your uh, comedy competition saga. Tell us about that. How'd that go? That was good. I I probably couldn't have had a better set. I had a really good set. Um, Unfortunately, the judges did not see it that way, and so I did not win. Well, they're probably fucking stupid and don't know anything <laughs> about comedy. So, seventh place, though, right? Is that what you got? Seventh, ninth? Uh, seventh, yeah. yeah. Seventh out of the initial pool was what? 70 or uh, 90? 90, 91. 91. 91 people, seventh out of 91. That's pretty goddamn good. I consider that a win. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. It's pretty good. It's better than I thought I would do at the start. Well, look at you. Some wind under your wings. Um, now, what's up next on the horizon for you uh, in the comedy uh, journey? Do you have any, anything coming up that you're excited about? Well, I posted a, an Instagram story saying, please book me and my chins. And it got uh, over 100 views, but no uh, booking invitations have come out yet. So. Yeah, I think you might have to kind of do a little bit more than that uh, to get random people to book you. But I, I am also an amateur, <laughs> so I wouldn't know. Um, but I found that when trying to get booked, it's helpful to reach out to bookers it and is. Yeah. plead your case. Uh, even then, it's hard to get booked because there's so many goddamn comedians. Um it's almost like a dystopian future where that t- phrase everyone's a comedian became true. <laughs> and uh you know, it should be good for comedy in general, right? <laughs> like you'd think that there's this is like a comedy boom, but isn't it now there's more competition and so everybody gets a smaller piece of the pie or I don't know how it works. No, that's exactly right. Not enough pie to go around. Not enough too many pie. mouths to feed. But on the other end, you would say there's a lot more people listening to stand up regularly now. So listening and watching. Um, 
I watched the new yeah, Louis probably. C.K. Uh, special. He had, uh, another, he had a new special? Yeah, it just came out uh, last week, or a couple days ago, actually. Yeah, because he's it pumping these things out. Came out on uh, Saturday. So this was this was like the same thing he did at Madison Square Garden, except for it was recorded uh, and edited, whereas the Madison Square Garden thing was just like a live uh, thing he did. So... A lot of the same material. So it's not two, it's two specials, but they're like, I think like 80% the same material. So it's not like he just pumped out a second special already, but it was pretty much identical to the, the set that I saw when I saw him in uh, new West at like a high school theater, which was amazing. Super fucking funny. And uh, the people I was with really thought it was funny too. So I recommend good $10 worth it. Hell yeah. And are you doing anything for Easter for the Lord's resurrection? No. Well, I'm going to my grandparents for dinner. Um, that's about it. Did, did, okay. So my wife, she wasn't raised religious uh, and she doesn't, she said she doesn't really do anything for Easter and they never really have. Did you realize that? I, I didn't realize it was more of like a Christian only holiday. I thought it was kind of like Christmas where everybody took over it. But she, she's um, telling me she doesn't really, uh, she never really did anything for Easter in her family. I think some people would go to church for like Christmas and Easter, but not for everything. Like Catholics, I think, would probably be more likely <clears throat> to observe. But do Easter. you, do you think that people that weren't raised religious, um, kind of ignore Easter? Oh, yeah. It's just a time, long weekend, maybe eat some chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Bunch of movies. Well, that's essentially what it's become for me too. It's just a dinner, and then uh, I don't really do much else. I guess it's one of those things where when you don't have kids, it's not nearly as uh, engaging of a holiday, right? Because no Easter egg hunts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could still do one if you wanted to. I'm sure they they have them organized. You mean you might be the only adult there? That's fine. Might be kind of weird. It's not weird for me, man. I'm used to being the only adult around a bunch of children um, because I'm a comedian. I'm just kidding. Um, cool. Uh, I have uh, an exciting couple of uh, weeks ahead. I am. Uh, well, first of all, I'm headlining Rustic Reel this weekend, this Saturday at 8 p.m. Um, so get your tickets. Tickets have not been moving. <laughs> very good uh but i will be headlining that so if any of you listening to this live in Kelowna, rustic reel saturday night come see now, your what boy. is a rustic reel what is what does that mean what is a rustic reel well in this case reel? it's a brewery um okay. but the reel is as in fishing reel so it's the rustic reel okay now that might it's a fish related brewery you would think that there would be more fish uh, <laughs> related. Fish themed beers. They don't. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I don't pay attention, but I just ate there recently. Uh, I had brunch there with John Doerr, Canadians' legendary comedian John Doerr, and I don't. I don't recall any like fish themed decor in there. So I don't know. Who knows? All I know is that we need more people to show up. Um. Uh. And then Monday, I'm going to Vancouver to see the metal band known as Spirit Box, which I don't think 
you would be familiar with unless you're into the metal music genre, but they are a mm-hmm. kick-ass band. They're from Vancouver. And then uh, when COVID hit, they released a bunch of music and music videos, and they almost blew up online before they actually ever like started touring. They so almost blew up. Well, they blew up online. So their fan oh. base blew up during COVID when they couldn't even tour. They just released a bunch of music and music videos. And, uh, uh, and now so now I will be actually getting to see them live, which I'm excited for. So spirit box, spirit check box. them out. Is that like what the, your body is? Your spirit box? I don't know. I've heard it. I've heard the phrase before. Hey, this is a perfect opportunity to Google something. Spirit box. Now, first thing that comes up is the band. Actually, they're from Victoria, I'm seeing. So, husband and wife duo. That's pretty cool. Um, spirit box. Spirit box. Uh, I'm just seeing the the uh, the band, but I, I'm almost certain that the, the name comes from something else. Um, Wikipedia. Whatever. I'm sure you can ask them at the concert. Nah, fuck. I'm too scared. Too scared (laughs) to talk to them. Are you kidding me? Anyways, hey, hey, if any of you know, send us a goddamn email. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Um, So, I'm excited for that. And then after that, uh, the next week, I'm going to be going on the road to do some comedy for the first time in a while with uh, some some of the hard hitters in our city. Andrew Crone, Kyle P. Ferris, I believe, is going. I think Baker, Matt Baker, will be going. And I think Andrew Verge. And I think we're bringing oh. Kyle Vesner as well. So, oh, God. And that's going to be a theater show in Castlegar. So that'll be fun. Um, Castlegar, wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's in the Kootenays, right? I think so. I don't think I've ever been there. <laughs> um but I, I've heard they did the show last year, I think, at this venue, and it was awesome. So I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anyways, that's enough out of me. Do we have something you would like to talk about this week as far as philosophy goes? Why, yes, Jordan, I do. Wow. <laughs> Please go on. Uh, yes, well, I'll continue. Uh, today... We're going to talk about the philosophy of technology. Oh. Ooh. And we're working from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Is that your go-to source? Is that your go-to resource? I I use it for like everything because it's free. Oh, okay. It's very, very detailed. Sweet. And this article was written by... Martin Franson, Gert Jan Lockhorst. Excuse Lockhorst. Me. What nationality Ebo, is that? Um, I don't know. Ebo Van de Poel. Yeah, they sound Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Ebo Van de Poel. De Poel. Dutch. De Poel. They've always been the leaders in technology. Windmills. Really? No. Windmills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dykes. Uh, dikes, uh, bicycles, uh, bicycles. Did they invent bicycles? I don't know. They ride them a lot, though. 
wooden clogs that one didn't take off anywhere and it's kind of Ugh, that was maybe one of their worst ideas uh <laughs> who wears those things like seriously i've worn them before i've worn them Ugh. on my feet and let me tell you i can i i can't believe that they thought they were a good idea uh i don't i don't know what the like leather they knew about leather i don't know the only thing i can think of is that you're supposed to wear them when the wood was like wet or something so that it would like conform to your <laughs> foot shape. I maybe it's related to like a certain type of dance or something they do where you, it's like tap dancing, but with wood blocks. Because um, I just can't imagine people were wearing those to work. You know, <laughs> clogs to the office. A partially wooden shoe, I can imagine. You know, part leather, part, and the sole can be wood, but an entirely just one piece of wood. Man, terrible idea. idea. But they're nice to put on your shelf. They have good painting on them. All right, well, let's continue. They are technology. They are technology. They are technology. (laughs) They're a terrible version of a shoe. Apparently technology. Yes, but I imagine their windmills are some of the best in the world. Their windmills? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know if they invented them or not. But anyway, whatever. You don't Maybe have to let me derail you. No, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> right, so technology is super important, right? Maybe the most distinguishing thing about the human species is our ability to create these man-made things called technology. Yes. It's pretty amazing. But we've seen that other other animals do it too, right? Octopi make little suits of armor with shells and chimpanzees use stone tools and oh man that octopus the octopus making the suit of armor was insane that whole documentary blew my mind i know we've talked about before on this podcast but wow i've also seen uh you know i've seen in real life it's not really technology but it's like the ability that ravens and crows when they take nuts and put them on the street for cars to run over it's like Mm. they're using our, our technology, technology for a purpose that we did not invent it for. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. That is, it yeah is. How do you define a car? Is a car something you drive around in or is it something to open nuts? <laughs> yeah. And then if we gave them one of our nutcrackers, would they start driving them around? That's the other question. <laughs> uh, good question. We Great have to question. do some research. Uh, man, I wish people sent us emails. That would be awesome. Um, go ahead. Right, so, yeah, so the philosophy of technology uh, has been a discipline since the time of the ancient Greeks up until now. And over time, it has changed a lot. And so we will go through first the historical developments of the philosophy of technology. It started with the Greeks. Democritus, he, uh, the ancient Greeks, there's uh, some themes that they follow when it comes to philosophy of technology. They believe that all technology imitates nature. Interesting. So we build houses because we're imitating uh, birds and like spiders, mm-hmm. like things like that. They must have not heard, of, I mean, I wonder what they would think about the internet then. Or how does that imitate nature? Yeah, they wouldn't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think they'd be able to deal with that. <laughs> they're, uh, they're limited 
they they didn't even know what the possibilities were for technology. Well, I think that none of them could have ever predicted the digital revolution. No, definitely not. Uh, they also believed that there's a fundamental ontological difference between artifacts, so the products of technology, and natural things. Okay. So, for example, um, a natural thing like a uh, a tiger for example has and the has a uh, an inward cause this is what aristotle would say it has an inward cause it is directed by a purpose that is determined by its nature whereas an artifact something that you make for technology its purpose is outward it has an outward cause its purpose is determined by whatever created it Right. And so that's the fundamental difference. Okay. So, so artifact and what was the other one? Natural thing. Natural thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Like there, obviously you could think of like a counter example, right? Like suppose I pick up a rock and I use it as a hammer. Yeah. Well, isn't it, isn't it both a rock and a hammer? I don't understand. How can, how could the same object be two different ontological things? Well, uh, I mean, what is a hammer is really anything that can drive. Well, I mean, a hammer is anything heavy that you can hold, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like Aristotle says, a natural thing and an artifact are two ontologically distinct categories. So like they're totally different. It would be like they'd be as different as uh, like mind and uh, body. Like would you consider a hammer a piece of technology? I think I think I would. I would, and I would consider it a piece of technology even if it was just like a rock that someone picked up and started using to hammer things. So you think that something that the the use of the thing is more important than the uh, where how it came to be like a like an app because you can make simple machines out of out of uh, just sticks and stuff without having to change their structure very much. Well, um, we're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but it's perfect that we're talking about this because the article addresses exactly this. So there's this idea in technology that there are natural kinds in technology, right? So we're saying a hammer, like mm-hmm. a rock can be a hammer, a yeah. piece of metal can be a hammer, like all these different things can be hammers. Yeah. So another one you could do would be knife. However, there are more ways to cut things than with a knife. For example, uh, quote, you can use a thread, a line, a welding torch, a water jet, etc. Yeah. So maybe the kind shouldn't be knife, but even broader, it should be a, quote, cutter. Yes. And then that's like a functional kind of thing, a cutter. Just like a hammer could be a functional kind of thing. And then there's like a claw hammer is like a specific kind of that and a sledgehammer. And... Yeah, there's a million different types of all these simple tools. Yeah. Um, that do different, slightly different versions of the same task or the same task, right? Because you can't use a claw, uh, like a, 
I mean, you might be able to, but you can't use, say, a wooden hammer to drive. Uh, uh, okay, that's a bad example, but uh, <laughs> like some like there's a reason there's different hammers on. Obviously, right? You're not going to use a wooden hammer to break up rocks. No, yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, I don't like uh, I don't like this distinction that they're two ontologically different things. I think uh, I think it's not that kind of distinction. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's forget about these ancient Greeks. They're yeah, they suck. Weird. Uh, they're all outdated. And yeah, olives are gross in most contexts. Well, so all fuck of those off. Are- Olive oil, we need that. We do need that. We need olive oil. Don't throw and, uh, out the olive oil with the olive. <laughs> that old saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than olive the, oil, you can keep fuck the off. Oil. Yeah. I, hey, I like olive on pizza. I think it's delicious. Greek uh, salad. Greek salad. Yeah, no, get out. Stay. Oh get God. out and get out and stay out of my salads and don't even think about touching my pizzas. Other oh, than those two oh. things, where do people even eat olives? It's either they just eat them on their own, they put them on the pizza. Martinis? Yeah, martinis. You got martinis, Greek salads, pizzas, and that's pretty much it. Ah, no, they put them on their burritos. Ah, they put them on. Yeah. Yeah, they're in burritos. They're All right. Lots of pastas. Like lots of theories I have on this podcast, I am incorrect and also... Just poorly thought out. Just, yeah, you know, I like to go aggressive without much thought. Hey, that, that's fine. That's fine. It's the way. It's the best way to navigate in this Fortune modern world, Facebook, as Matt Damon says in the crypto.com ads. <laughs> what did he say? Fortune favors the bold. Oh. That's what Matt, Matt Damon says in the crypto.com ads. <laughs> you might as well say, "Throw caution to the wind." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. Yeah, I hope someone sues him. I hope when all is said and done. Well, he's just reading the lines they're paying him to say, right? He's an actor. Yeah, he's not doing anything. He's like wearing a. It's like they're taking advantage of his interstellar uh, connections, and they're putting him against all this space. And it's basically just a crypto ad, but to make. I mean, crypto. Crypto still feels like a scam, like like a like a Ponzi scheme or some shit to me. Yeah, I mean, hey, crypto. Like we're talking about it. That's technology, right? Crypto. Yes. Yes, it is. It's not just a currency, it's also a technology. I think that it's been perverted from its original uh, goal. Yeah. Well, this is one of the most important questions in philosophy of technology is the ethics of Mm. technology. So let's talk about the ethics of crypto. What do you think? Well, from what I understand, I understand very little. Um, It was originally supposed to be a decentralized currency that kind of took the power away from governments to... uh, manipulate uh the financial system right it was going to be kind of a democratic financial system that uh you know leveled the playing field and could be uh it crossed borders and whatever you know like it was supposed to be the next thing in uh currency for the world essentially it was like the first yeah uh, so it was supposed to be that it was supposed to be the, 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 the way that we transitioned out of, uh, the current financial system into the, like a new, more fair, I think was the idea, uh, more stable, more fair era of, uh, currency. And from what I can tell now, it's basically a glorified casino, uh, 
right? Like everybody's everybody's just betting on different types of it. Um, I don't understand how having so many different types of crypto helped that original goal at all. I thought that it would work best if everybody was just on one type. But now it's like, it just seems like they're a meme that can make you money. It, it's, it feels very much like that NFT uh, boom that happened where it's like this new technology that had so much potential and then it's greed, the greed of man immediately <laughs> clasped its fist around it and snuffed out its original intention and, and, and twisted it into uh, just a way to make a quick buck. Oh, yeah. Wow, great. So much to unpack. From that um yeah so crypto i think i i definitely agree it's it was sold in the beginning it was sold as uh what the authors call quote a technological fix the solution of a problem the solution of a social problem by a technical solution mm-hmm. end quote so crypto is this new technology the blockchain and this is a technical solution to the social problem of currency and money and banking yes and then however as you said over time instead of becoming a technological fix it's kind of become the opposite it has become the problem itself yeah and that is also kind of reminds me of social media too started off as this great way to connect with friends and family and network with people of like mind. And now it's become a ad revenue generating uh, civil war generating uh, uh, ADHD inducing depression, inducing anxiety, making fucking useless piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Now, like now, here's an interesting question, and this is also a, a big question in philosophy of technology. So, is the technology itself to blame? There, are, there are some philosophers who think that technology is neutral; that technology is not a value laden thing. Do you agree with that? Do you think technology is morally neutral? I do. My first. It, preface this with my my first instinct is yes i do because uh, you know like say nuclear nuclear uh power can be used to power cities with clean energy or blow up cities <laughs> and <laughs> radiate them for generations to come and the only difference between those the only thing that uh decides which happens is the human beings uh in control of that technology. Um, okay. Well, so, here's, here's a distinction. Okay. A nuclear reactor and a nuclear bomb. Yes. Take the nuclear bomb. Is a nuclear bomb a morally neutral piece of technology? Um, well, it, what, all it is is a giant release of energy. So it's it's it depends on how you <laughs> use it, right? You can be used to deflect yeah. an asteroid from hitting the planet, or you can use it okay, to radiate yeah, radiate a city. A city. Um, I mean, if you if uh, I'll I'll refer to the books I, that series, the Three Body Problem. Lots of the nuclear options in that uh, story are in regards to propulsion or deflection not necessarily attacking each other. Um, 
so it, it it's it's the application of the technology that determines whether it's uh what it what it what it is defined as morally okay how about a torture device like an iron maiden <laughs> okay now we're getting into it uh, <laughs> yeah now that, that's a way better example i don't see any way that that could be uh morally ambiguous it's <laughs> the only use of that for an iron maiden is to poke a bunch of holes in someone <laughs> and kill them i mean the uh, yeah. the only other thing you can think of is like some creepy decor for a, a haunted house but that's I true. You could gonna... just use it as art. You could but just you, use it as art. You could. And it's not technology it, anymore, right? Well, yeah, exactly. It's not technology, yeah. and it's the the artistic value is is what's uh, the artistic appeal of that. And you're having that in your house is the uh, darkness behind it, right? Because an Iron Maiden itself doesn't look. If you had no idea what the function of it was, it's not like it looks beautiful in any way. But knowing what it was designed for is what gives it that artistic uh, value, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, the possibilities of what it could do if it was. Yeah, and was like real. the historical yeah. context of what it is. It's like people are going to, if so, if you had a real Iron Maiden in your house, uh, people would walk <laughs> by it without mentioning and would not, would even like to, to look at it twice if they had no idea what it was for, right? I mean, they might be curious, oh, what's this for? But most people know what it's for, and that's why it's going to be like, oh, shit, you have that in your house? That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, I don't know. If, if I went to a dinner party and they had a, an Iron Maiden in their house, I would be very concerned. <laughs> I, very I mean, I would be concerned if it was just some joke. So all night. <laughs> It depends who has it, right? Because if you say you're you're going over to eat dinner at like a metal band's house, right, or like a, a goth, sure. like someone who's known to like be in that world of like gothic aesthetic and kind of like you know, like if I went over and had dinner with the band Iron Maiden and they had a real Iron Maiden in their in their dining room, I wouldn't be scared. But if I went to like, I don't know. Uh, just a rant, like an ice cream truck driver, and I went to his basement suite, and he had one in his bedroom. Then I would be very concerned. Okay, interesting, very interesting. All right, so getting back to our original question, uh, do you still think technology is all neutral, or do you think sometimes the technology itself? You know, you, you really got me with the torture device thing. The torture device? <laughs> those are really actually specifically designed uh, for one thing. See, yeah. you can even go as far as guns. Guns are technology, and it's like guns don't kill people. Yeah. People kill people. And I agree with that yeah. to a certain extent. I mean, I think the main problem with the guns is, is the amount of them that exist and how easy they are to acquire. Um, yeah. But if, you're uh, right. There some some technology is specific, like weaponry is designed to kill other humans, right? Yes, and and you might say like, well, look, you could use the gun just to shoot a target. You don't have to actually, or you don't have to actually use it to kill someone or something. But that raises the interesting question, right? Of like, what defines the technology? Like yeah, at that, at that point, it's and more it, that a, would be its purpose. And its primary that, purpose is not to shoot targets, but exactly. Because then you okay. can just call it like 
a dangerous toy. Uh, yeah. Right. Cause it, yeah, it's, it's yeah. So, uh, I don't think guns would ever been invented if it was only to shoot targets. Right. So the event, <laughs> the, the, the cause of its invention was not, uh, let's, let's have fun. Yeah. The bow and arrow was not originally invented for target. Practice. I don't, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't i don't think Very that like i think there was a long period of time where uh inventions for the purpose of entertainment and leisure were not a priority right uh, technology is almost always motivated by um the gaining of more power right interesting okay what what about um well, we mentioned earlier the fix, like a fix to a social problem, like like plumbing, indoor plumbing technology. Yeah, uh, like like a society that has plumbing like that is going to advance more quickly than a society that doesn't. So you could say, yeah, that is more for comfort of life, but it's also something that gives your society a huge advantage over mm. one that okay. a competing one, right? Yeah. So, so that you, could you still seem be. To be uh, you seem to have, or you seem to be taking the political approach to technology. That, like Marx, that technology is what determines the economic and social structure of society. I I think that is true. Yeah, I think that's true. I people can be ju- people can be very content and happy without a vast majority of the technology that we have in society. Um. So I think a lot of technology, at least initially, is made to uh, like progress in a financial way or power way. Or, I mean, finances and power are kind of interchangeable a lot of times. So, um, like uh, the people that invent uh, invented, you know, te- the, the computers were invented yes. initially to help. Uh, uh, decode the encrypted messages from their the enemy right oh yeah the turing machine yeah so that their purpose and the internet i think was born out of some sort of military program uh, initially i think those are the only ways to get these big projects financed as if they have some sort of military value or uh yeah a lot of technology is developed through military uh, yeah military money microwaves the internet yeah yeah. So, I mean, when you, how many technologies can you think of right now that didn't initially start for some, like a, a lot of, I can't think of many technologies that were made specifically for enjoyment or pleasure. Hey, like you, you might, that's the thing, right? You can always find a crazy way to use something. Yeah. Like, uh, like going back to the Iron Maiden, like maybe it's a torture device, but you could like hypothetically like say you had a giant lemon you could use it as like a juicer for like a for giant fruits <laughs> i just think there's like a there's like so many obviously better design choices than an iron maiden for that <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, anyway. like an iron maiden it really has it's really really good at one specific task yeah, it has then, one thing it does. Yeah, it does one it, trick really, really well. It turns who anyone you don't like into Swiss cheese. Yeah, it just perforates them slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so Mark's uh, that. Yeah, so we were talking about like approaches to uh, technology. 
like Mark's. Um, but actually, let's let's go back to uh, you mentioned social media earlier. I think right. Yeah. And the algorithms. So this gets us into the world of uh, digital technology and the ethics of digital technology. And algorithms are interesting because the algorithm seems to be, on the one hand, it seems to be value neutral, but on the other hand, it, because it rewards engagement, it doesn't reward a specific type of content. Yeah. So it, it it's, uh, the algorithms do what they do really well. Um, yeah. They're not, it, it, it's, but they can be designed to, uh, be abused or to abuse people they can and a lot of them the way they function it, it it's uh the it encourages or it kind of like emphasizes uh right because like you said before an algorithm wants you to engage right it wants clicks it want it so it knows i don't know if it knows but the algorithms are written knowing that the best way to get a human being to engage in something is by manipulating one of its more impulsive emotions. Anger usually is the best way to get clicks, right? Outrage is the best way to drive any sort of internet traffic to a certain spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I don't know if they're designed for that, but the algorithms figure that out, quote unquote, figure it out. It just seems to be the uh, most efficient way to drive clicks somewhere. And that's a problem that I think is kind of more of a byproduct and unpredict like a, uh, you know, I don't think anyone who was initially coming up with this idea to use algorithms to uh, show people targeted ads was ever thinking of the uh, possibility of the algorithms all sort of figuring out that outrage is the best way to get your ad seen. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's uh, the problem of risk. Which we could, we can skip ahead to that now. Um, so this article defines risk as quote, the product of the probability of an undesirable event and the effect of that event. The product. So the of greater the, the uh, so product is the multiply two things. So, so if the so if a high risk would be if there is a high probability of an undesirable event, and if the effect of that event was very severe. Right. So the higher those two things go, the higher the risk. Right. So with algorithms, people maybe didn't realize how high the risk was. Of I think that's what, what happened. Be. Is I think that they they were originally just thinking, wow, we could get because on the surface. It looks, it sounds kind of great, right? I'm not going to be getting ads that don't relate to my own personal interests. That's amazing. All my ads are going to be relevant to my life. Yeah. Um, again, it's like a, the intentions are great when the technology yes, is invented. Yeah. And then it's the human nature that seeps in and perverts it. <laughs> yes. And then eventually the, you know, I think, I think it's fair to be pretty cynical about a lot of these tech companies. Uh, they deliberately use them to steal data. So it's it's made with a nefarious intent in mind. So the technology yeah. itself is becoming uh, uh, unethical. Well, it's that's even more terrifying because look how bad things get when it's made with uh, good intentions. And then 
Like, yeah. To think of how bad it can get when it's made with bad intentions is, I mean, I think we're slowly kind of fit, um, witnessing some of the first um, effects of this algorithmic based advertising model. And uh, I don't think people realize that's what's happened. Like, I don't think enough people are realizing what's happening. I harp on this fucking documentary all the time because it blew my mind. The social dilemma, because it explains so much to me about why the world seems like it's going crazy all at the same time. Why is everybody acting so crazy? And Am I taking crazy pills? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's also on top of that is that most 90% of the stuff that people take in from the internet is, is produced by a very small percentage of the actual population. So, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a problem because, uh, you, lots of people are on the internet more and more and they're getting their viewpoint of the world based on what they see on their phones every day. And yeah. what they see on their phones every day is being catered towards them specifically in and now in politics but it's going to show you stuff that's going to make you hate the other side and then it's going to show you stuff to kind of reinforce your worldview as impenetrable right as as the uh, all of course this is how it actually is and of course they're completely insane and wrong on the other side and the algorithms just reinforce those two things over and over again all day to people and uh it just, it just, it, it, it causes a, a divide. And I think that we are seeing this divide become more and more uh, intense as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Technology, instead of being a social fix, becomes a social problem a lot of the times. Now, um, is there any technologies that don't, that you can think of that um, haven't been essentially uh, corrupted by human nature to a degree where it's a massive problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the vast majority of the technology. vast majority. Um, yes. so vast, vast majority. like, um, dishwashers. when was the last time a dishwasher hurt somebody? That's true. I, okay. 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 But can you think of anything in the, in the modern Everything age is the environment? Of course. But, yes. Uh, yeah, because you could say cars, but I mean, car crashes aren't great. But I think the net positive of vehicles has been far outweighed the net negatives. Uh, maybe this 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 is this brings us perfectly to uh, cost benefit analysis of risks, right? So technology, how do we know? Like, because we need some risk, because yeah. without risk, right? Sometimes you need risk if you don't have risk, you might never develop technologies that you need. Uh, for example, here's a quote from the article, uh, quote, even if risk reduction is feasible, it may not be acceptable from a moral point of view. Reducing risk often comes at a cost. Safer products may be more difficult to use, more expensive, or less sustainable. The safest car is, due to its weight, not likely to be the most sustainable. So a risk is acceptable. Here's the quote. If and only if the total benefits outweigh the total risks. Yeah. So <laughs> um, here's a here's what I was thinking was when you were saying that is uh, things like a car 
it does it does benefit so many people, right? Almost everyone um, in places that need a car can get a car, right? Or at least have great public transportation or whatever. Some sort of version of a car is accessible to them. And so I think in that case, there's just like so much benefit that, that outrage. I mean, still pollution is obviously a huge problem, but and car accidents kill a shit ton of people. But I still think that the benefits are outweighing the negatives. And also, they're mit- they're starting to mitigate some of those issues with you know more uh, advanced safety features, electric vehicles, better fuel economy, hybrid. So they're adapting. They're not considering getting rid of cars. They're they're changing the technology to be able to keep cars, right? Because it benefits so many people. But there are technologies that are born that benefit a small amount of people greatly. And and then the rest of the people are don't really benefit from it at all. And because usually that small amount of people that benefit greatly uh, are powerful, they get to keep their technology, even if it doesn't have a net benefit. Hmm. Uh, would an example of that be? I would think like, like uh, I don't know. Uh, my first thought was private jets. Okay, but, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but I don't know. I honestly can't think of one other than that, and that one's not even that great of an example. <laughs> I mean, they probably have stuff that we can't even imagine. Voice-activated things. Yeah. I mean, maybe spyware, like stuff spyware. about like some sort of, uh, you know, the whatever technology is used to scrape all the data from the general public to be sold. Oh, yeah. Like Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they use technology in, in a whole different way. Mainly to get money. I think that's the idea. Yes, but the weird, I mean, we talked about this before. It's just like you you, you never are rich enough. No, no one ever agrees. No one ever thinks they're rich enough. It feels like like everybody, like it's insane how billionaires are still trying to come up with ways to make more money. The power of greed. It's an obsession. I don't even think the money, so there's no way they would ever spend. I doubt, like I, how much money do you think, say, uh, Jeff Bezos would need to sustain his lifestyle realistically. I don't know what his lifestyle is like. It can't be. I mean, (laughs) you like you could live as as lavishly as you can fucking imagine. And he's not Mm -hmm. even dent his money. Right. So I don't know what he's doing. That is like would require that amount of money. But I well, know a lot of think these, for sure he's not trying to lose. He's not trying. He's still trying to make money. I'll tell you that much. They're not. They're not as liquid as as all their their wealth on the Forbes list would make it appear. Like they they can. I think like didn't Zuckerberg lose like over forty billion dollars worth of net worth in like a weekend or something? Like just from stock prices changing. Like I don't know. Stock fell. I don't know. My, I guess my point is, is that there's a, there's, there's, there's a sickness in humanity that, or a lot of, a lot of people anyways, that, that desire from needing more. Oh, greed. Yeah. Greed. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a yeah. sickness. It, 
I think we talked about this on the philosophy of money podcast, but greed might be one of the worst qualities that humans have developed. Yeah, very likely. Very likely. It's it, and it seems to be common to uh, all animals. Do you think so? Yeah, I think all animals tend to be a little greedy. Well, I think all it's a animals, it might be a necessary wild animals thing. Just get fat if they have unlimited food. I can understand how it was beneficial back in the day when it's like, uh, you know, when you're kind of more of like a primal uh, being and it's like you can't, you know, being generous or being um, charitable could lead to your own death quite easily. And I think that's a trait that just it just is so ingrained in humans that it and it, it's such a problem because obviously greed is the it's probably the main thing that is is it's the main reason humanity hasn't reached some sort of utopia yet. Yeah, could be. But on the other hand, you could argue you could argue well, like, yeah, you could make an interesting argument there that greed might be the reason why so much of our technology exists. I guess this might be the Marxist approach that so much technology exists because people want to sell it. People want to use it to make money. Yeah. It's all about making money. So the reason we have all this great technology is because of greed. We wouldn't have toasters, dishwashers, plumbing. We wouldn't have this without someone's greed. But yeah. on the other hand, you could argue that, uh, and and you could and you could argue that all these these technologies that we have now make our lives so much better than they were like five thousand years ago. Is it better or is it just easier? Like it, that's, that's, like, then that's the then that's the other question is maybe without greed maybe our lives would be even better. Sans dishwashers. I mean, because we <laughs> me and you both have way more than we need to survive or even live comfortably. I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> We have shelter, clean water, and food is pretty much all you need, right? And as long as you can get all three of those easily, as in you're not spending every day uh, trying to maintain or acquire those things, um, you should be able to spend your time leisurely. um, Making podcasts. Making podcasts. (laughs) I'm just saying is that like uh, I think everybody just like – you know, when you're young, all you want is your favorite toy. And then when you get a little bit older, now you want a better, more expensive toy. And then you get into your adulthood and you want you you just want to move out of your parents' house. All you want to do is be able to afford to rent a rent rent an apartment or something, right? And then after a few more years in the apartment, now you kind of want to get a car. And then you get a car, you want a nicer car. Now you want to be able to travel. And it's just like there's always like that next thing that you can aspire towards, but you don't need. And, uh, like how many people do you know that are completely content with where they are in life? I don't know anyone like that. And it's not like they haven't improved their lives. Everybody has improved their lives that I know of and no one is done. No one's like, all right, this is good enough for me. I'm just gonna. I think religious people are more likely to be content. Do you think so? Well, yeah, you might have a point there. Um, Some, some of them. Someone. Because I, I some people who are like I'm sure you're the same as me. I spend a lot of my time thinking about what the next step is, right? What's the next move? What's the next um, thing I want to accomplish? And yeah, I'll take comedy for a, 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 a as an example. I remember before I started it, started it, I was thinking all I wanted to do was try it once, just to say I did it, just to feel what it's like. And then I'm like. 
And then after I tried, I was like, oh, all I need now is just to have like a really good set. That's all I really want. And then I'll be happy just to experience what it's like to crush uh, on a stand-up stage in front of the crowd and have them enjoy that. And then that happens and you're like, oh, I want that to happen more now. And then it just kept, kept, like that type of thing keeps going and going and going, right? And it's the same with uh, your job, you know? At first, you get your first job at a grocery store. You're like, I just want enough money to uh, be able to rent video games and buy candy with my friends on the weekend. That's all I want. That's all I need. And then you get that and you're like, actually, that isn't all I want. Now I want to be able to, you know, I want to get like a motorbike or some shit. It's just like, there's never enough. It's never enough. It's unless never you like, enough. unless you have, and you have to like fucking train yourself as like a Buddhist monk to get rid of that. That's what Buddhism is all about. Uh, escaping the suffering that is caused by desire. Well, there you go. And it's weird that that's something that you have to really work at. Uh, and it's not the, the base uh, level. But you're right in saying that if, if humans didn't have that instinct, that greed, uh, civilization would probably not have progressed nearly to where it is now at all. Like, I don't know. You, they would probably just get to like a very uh, kind of low tech agricultural society and then they would have been like well this is pretty much all we got to do um and then you get the dark ages yeah. so <laughs> unless we were like unless we could be motivated by something other than our own like uh sensual or physical needs like we're we're so motivated by our bodily needs and pleasures and pain yeah but we're not motive most people are not motivated at all by simply the desire to create like interesting inventions that can do interesting things like no one, like if we didn't have, no one would like, uh, like there's like there's tools in like the Zelda video games where you can like pick objects up and manipulate them with yeah. like, gravity and stuff. Oh, that new one coming out looks so dope. Yeah, it's so cool, right? We would never invent that stuff just for the pleasure of it. It would only ever yeah. be invented to it satisfy some, I think uh, when it comes to art and creative work, it's a bit, it's a bit of uh, you need both things motivating you. I think in a lot of ways, right. The desire to uh, yeah. make something that you enjoy, that you would want to experience is one thing, but you also kind of want, you really want the, uh, the, some of it is you want the credit for making something that other people also enjoy, right. Whether that's financial or just like adoration, um, yeah, I, th I, I think th the, I should have put it like uh, um, people aren't we're not really motivated, most of us, by like a pure desire for discovery or something like that. It always has to be tied to satisfying something like that, like like you said, like pride, uh, enjoyment, greed. It's always mm -hmm. tied to something, uh, some sort of sensation, I guess. Or Yeah, it, because but it's very rarely just of pure curiosity. Yeah, or like pure, I wonder what I can make. It's like how many people just make a, generate a ton of art and never show anyone. Like it's a very rare thing, right? Um, and even then, it's it's being able to look at your artwork and know that it's good and that still set, fills you with pride, um, even if no one sees it. 
but most people, I mean, 99% of people that spend the time, because what learning something like inventing, inventing something cool or making a cool piece of art, it takes, it's hard. It's, it's hard to get to your skill and knowledge to a level where it's actually good. So people usually want to see the fruits of their labors in one way or another after doing that. Well, yeah, like you're spending a lot of resources to create it. So you got to get, you got to get payback somehow or you're going to starve to death. Yeah, there has to be some sort of uh, reward uh, outside of just the pleasure of making something, which there is. Yeah. There's a still it, it's a mix, right? Well, you could imagine like alien, like some alien race that for some reason has an abundance of energy and can just create things for the sake of creating things, but not yeah. being motivated by greed. Yes, and there maybe there was a civilization at some point that it was all about creating things, and you know, I can imagine like a, I don't know, artists want to see their art appreciated by other people. That that is, I don't think there's many well, artists that did, like Kafka wanted everything burned. Emily Dickinson kept all of her stuff hidden. Oh, I, I think a lot of people probably write stories and draw things that they never show anyone because they're too embarrassed yes but that's because they don't think it's good enough if they thought it was yeah, good exactly. enough they would show people um yeah uh, yeah yeah you might be right yeah, yeah i, I don't think doubt. yeah because you could you can just write shit in your head you can just imagine a painting you don't have to put paint on a canvas right no the, the art the artistic drive is like taking something in your mind and putting it into reality and like making it a tangible thing i'm a great but, mental film director i've directed a lot yes. of do you have any idea how many movies i've made in my head <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i don't know where where why we how we got on this topic but uh technology uh oh yeah greed like there's no, greed. there's almost yeah. greed is almost out mixed into any. It's 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 a it's a ingredient in it, doing anything really. Yeah, in, in a lot of things it is for sure, but not in everything. We shouldn't shouldn't go that far. Greed, I don't think greed is important in charity, right? Is, I mean, you can always say, uh, "Are you doing it to feel good?" Are you giving money to a charity to feel good? Are you doing? Are well, you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that greed. I think that would be defining greed as feeling good is too broad. Um, I think greed specifically has to be the desire to acquire wealth. You think and, so? And power. I would say wealth and power. What about respect and adoration? That is. Um, that is not greed. I don't define that as greed. No. Um, there's a different word for that. Ah. Not, is it honor seeking? Um, I don't know. Honor seeking. Let me look up the thesaurus. Um, man, I don't know. Because, like, isn't there an element of greed in anything that you do to make yourself feel good? No, I don't think so. Greed is about uh, getting more wealth and power. Or greed is about getting more wealth. Yeah, I think greed is about getting more wealth and power. Aren't wealth and power just vehicles for making yourself feel good? Yeah, but so is like eating an apple. It doesn't mean you're greedy if you eat an apple. 
Well, you can eat it. You, you are, maybe you're being greedy because you're, you don't want to die. And, uh, you know, well, maybe you could be greedy for apples. Like you want to have all the apples in the world. I guess what, when you think of greed, you think of taking away from other people so that you can have more. I think it's an obsession to collect everything of something. Yeah. Um, usually yeah. wealth. It's about part of it is about having more than other people. It's and, like being the dragon sitting on the pile of money yeah. you just want more, and you don't want anyone to get what you have. Because do you think someone that so, so say there's an infinite infinite amount of apples, and one person decides I'm just eating every fucking apple I come across, uh, but they know there's enough apples to go around, and anyone can access an apple at any time. I don't think that person would be greedy to eat a thousand apples a day. It would definitely be, uh, they would definitely be not be taking all things in moderation. No, but as long as there's enough for everyone else to have some, what's the, what, how is that greedy? Yeah, because there's like an infinite amount of resources. Maybe greed wouldn't apply anymore. Yeah. Now at that point you're, you're, you just really like apples. I don't know. I still think it would be greedy. Even though it doesn't uh, take away the ability of anyone else to have a thousand apples a day, too. Um, yeah, because it's just like you want more than you need, like by such a huge factor, and it's so obsessive. Yeah, but is it greedy? Because I doubt they would share them with anyone. If anyone came and asked, they'd be like, "No, I I got these. Go get your own." <laughs> Okay, I mean, it depends on where, like, okay, if he takes my apple, I got to walk all the way over to the apple tree and get another one. That's bullshit. And uh, that's, I guess, some greed would creep in there. Imagine imagine a scenario where anyone can have whatever they want with a snap of the finger. Uh, is greed still possible? Yes, I think, st- absolutely. You yes. do? Yes. God damn I think it. greed oh. is simply just getting, just always wanting more. And if there's an infinite amount, then you can be infinitely greedy. Because hmm. you always I want know. more. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that. It's is just it... about more. It's not about all. I, guess. Uh, I don't know. I, because I, once I think you have it... all of it, then you wouldn't want any more. And then you'd cease to be greedy. Well, I don't think as long you're as... you're greedy, you're not even satisfied once you have as all As long as everyone out, everyone else can have everything as well, there's no such thing as greed. Anyway, we right, are we'll at an hour. We'll do Aristotle's ethics and virtues next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll do something about us. greed. Well, okay, good. All right. We'll settle it next week. Anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, please book me on your shows. Book Sam Boone. <laughs> came seventh out of 91 people, you idiots. Um, how much time you got in the bank as far as your act? Like how much do I have that's good? Like how much could you comfortably hire yourself out to do? Uh, I would be comfortable with 12. 12 minutes? Yeah, like punching out. I can punch out a very a tight 12. There you go. That is a guest spot. So start reaching out to get people and specifically requesting guest spots. Yeah. I'll do that. Good. Good. All right. That's our episode for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.